10 years ago, a small group of community members looked at the rusty rails that ran through their neighborhoods and saw the potential for a usable, beautiful public space. When completed, the rail park will connect more than 10 neighborhoods with three miles of continuous green space. A space for everyone, young and old, athletes and artists, neighbors and visitors alike. Friends of the Rail Park presents Sounds of the Rail Park, an audio guide to the sights, sounds, and spaces of the Rail Park. I'm Rebecca Cordes Chan, Executive Director of Friends of the Rail Park, and the next three episodes are part of a small series named The Three Mile Vision. This three episode series highlights the communities the Three Mile Rail Line touches and the promising future to transform the spaces into a park system. This podcast is about the hope, possibility, and neighborhood effects of giving an abandoned rail line a new life. This is a huge undertaking, so we teamed up with local journalist Nicole Curry to complete the series. Take a listen as she travels the rail line, focusing on three major parts, the viaduct, the cut, and the tunnel. The tunnel. This special section of the rail park is unseen. In fact, it's beneath our feet. Starting at the Rodin Museum and ending in Brewerytown is an underground section of the unused rail line known as the tunnel. It's dark, covered with broken rocks, bricks, litter, and even a few plants, and at some points reaches 50 feet below street level. And chances are you've walked over it and never known what opportunity lies beneath your feet. In this episode, Nicole explores the tunnel and what developing it could mean for the neighborhoods that surround it. We'll start with the Fairmont neighborhood. While the neighborhood is known for its location at the foot of the massive Fairmont park system and its proximity to Center City, an elevated park system could really top things off, according to Heidi Siegel. Heidi has lived in the neighborhood since the 90s. Listen as Nicole and Heidi take a walk in the neighborhood, talking about the past, present, and future. And the time that I came here, it was affordable. I had a one-bedroom apartment, this will date me, but it was $400 a month. And so, um, and that was on one block up from where my house is now. Through the time I've spent here, I... This is Heidi Siegel, president of the Fairmount CDC board. Heidi and I took a walk down Green Street as she discussed what brought her to this neighborhood and why she stayed for more than 25 years. The house that I live in now is a block away from where I first, you know, had my first apartment out of college. And um, I don't see a departure from here anytime soon. (laughs) The neighborhood has certainly improved. I lived on a block that was across the street from a restaurant that used to be called Tavern on Green. And it was a nice local restaurant slash pub. I had a lot of other friends from college who also moved into this neighborhood after college. My first job was in South Jersey, so it was easy for me to commute. And we all, you know, had a tendency to gather at you know, the bars on the weekends. There was a place up on um, Poplar Street called the North Star Bar. Doesn't exist anymore, but they always had great bands. And we love to go cycling out into the Wissahickon. So, yeah, the neighborhood has got a lot of great things. And I think it's only gotten more. 
and now there's more great restaurants. There's more music venues. There's programming that's supported through the, like, the Fairmount Park Conservancy. Things like the rail park are you know, popping up. One of the things that brought me to this neighborhood was the proximity to Center City. And the other thing that brought me to this neighborhood was the proximity to the park. I love to work out outside. I am a fairly avid cyclist. I used to run, but now there's, you know, too many injuries for that to be regular. And my workouts have shifted where I use to do a lot of workouts on the art museum steps, the boot camps that kind of happen over there. So there's, there's just more and more opportunities to do things in this neighborhood and get outside, enjoy the, the green spaces. I think that it's going to be an amazing opportunity for a connection between this neighborhood and Fairmount Park. Certainly right now, people can just typically run or walk down their streets and get access to Fairmount Park. It's not that far. But what the potential is for the rail park is just a different um, maybe starting an endpoint with different things to see and possibly programming made available, higher elevations at some points, lower elevations at some points, just some more variety and hopefully, you know, something that will actually attract even more visitors here. We certainly have visitors that come in for the museums and for Eastern State Penitentiary and for some of the restaurants, but this is just going to be one more opportunity. I mean, look at the, the concept of the High Line. I'm sure everybody compares the rail park to the High Line in some way, but the reality is, is that people who like to get outside and explore want to see some new stuff. I mean, it's one thing to regularly go out on Kelly Drive or West River Drive and do your sports or walking or running, but to have a different view and get a chance to see sort of a new historical perspective of Philadelphia, the, the fact that this used to be connected to the railway systems and now it's been dormant for so long to see how that can be transformed. I think it's exciting and I think people would really get excited by that opportunity and that, you know, just the things that it presents for learning and exploring. The tunnel. I know that's like the end part that's really going to connect more of Fairmount through Brewery Town, and I don't have a sense of what that's going to look like, what it's going to feel like to be in there, and if it's going to be dark, or if it's going to be lit with lights, or how it's going to be transformed. So that's like a bigger mystery to me. Well, right now I think that the part of the rail park that exists is a huge asset because all you have to do is walk out your front door, head towards Broad Street, and get access to this elevated park, which, you know, provides so many interesting views, um, murals, elevation that you don't normally have a perspective of. I don't know that it yet feels like a piece of Fairmount Park because it's not, you know, big tall trees and lush forest feeling. It's much more open. 
but it's such a great use of space that has otherwise been abandoned for so long. That was Heidi Siegel, board president of Fairmount Community Development Corporation. Now it's time we know what's exactly below our feet. Our next guest walked through the tunnel in 2012. His name is JJ Tizu. JJ is a local photographer who creates photo stories about Philadelphia. Back in 2012, a few friends asked JJ to walk this part of the rail line and take photos. After walking in the tunnel, he had the perfect name for this photo story, Philadelphia Secret Garden. And here's why. I mean, it was stunning. It was so surprising to find what felt like such a foreign and vast and magical landscape literally under my feet and in places that I had biked by, you know, hundreds if not thousands of times and never seen. When you bike along or walk along Pennsylvania um, Avenue, you don't realize that underneath there is a space I think wide enough for, I don't know if it was six or eight uh, rail lines in parallel. The whole avenue is built over top of the former rail yard. It's just this large, gentle arch, huge and cavernous. It's like being in a cave system and you have these pools of light trickling through the grates above. If you're walking on the avenue, you'll see these grates in the ground and you don't quite realize that underneath is this huge, hollow space. It's kind of like a an amphitheater. It could be a you know, theater space, it's just, it's, it's the kind of scale that feels like, like you're in a church, like you're in a catacomb, um, I don't know, it's, it's massive, and uh, it feels like a sort of sacred space, but imagining it with uh, more public access, with, you know, the right kind of safety measures to make it feel like a, a place that people can venture into at any time, Yeah, it's just magical. The pools of light coming through in that darkness are absolutely magical. Yeah, that was it. It was just kind of out of nowhere, a treasure beneath our feet and a space that felt like it had a lot of potential. And there really was this feeling of it being a a treasure of a green space, like a garden, but very secret in terms of, you know, not, not obvious or not accessible but the the feeling of wonder um i think that was it when i read that book the secret garden a long time ago there was you know sort of this magical space that one can find one's way into and that's very much the experience i had with with venturing into that land i had some friends from college days who were involved in sort of the early visioning of transforming that space into a park Um, they were already obviously familiar with it and dreaming about it and doing a couple tours, beginning some advocacy to plant the seeds of this vision of that unused rail space uh, being converted into public recreational community access type space. And so they invited me along on a tour to see some of what there was and to take some photographs to help tell the story and the potential of that place. I think one of the one of the questions is around access. Like you have two ends to the tunnel, but you don't have emergency egresses or ways to get in and out of there midway through. That's one concern. Um, lighting is another one. Uh, you have this gorgeous effect of these pools of light in the darkness, which is really quite dramatic. 
but also can make it a little scary of like what's in the shadows, you know. Um, if I were wandering there alone, uh, I might be worried um, about um, <laughs> oh. my neighbor. <laughs> um, no, if I were wandering there alone, I could see um, safety concerns. You know, I think there's a question of um, where there's activity or where there's, you know, accompaniment, um, someone to call for help if you have a medical emergency, um, that kind of thing. It's uh, just because it is long and vast and dark and isolated, that's the stuff that gets scary, you know. That's also the potential that makes it magical. So finding that balance of making it a space where anyone can feel safe, not just like a big tall dude like me, right? But where anyone could feel safe um, while also not making it feel overdeveloped or over, you know, secured or overlit or, um, or overcrowded. So those are the balances to be struck for sure. And I think that visions need to have a lot of community input no matter what happens with the space, but the main vision was for it to be a place that people could go to, could use. It could be a, a connecting thoroughfare um, and recreational space and contemplative space and access to a bit of nature and or shelter from the bustle of the city kind of space. That's one of the things that I found magic was how quiet it was. And there's, it's, that's rare in much of our experience of the city. That was J.J. Tizel. Lastly, a park system can mean a lot of things to different people, but it can mean a whole lot for youth. St. Francis Xavier School Principal Dolores Butler shares a little about the community and what a nearby park can mean for the neighborhood. The school um, was actually founded in 1845. And last, really last school year, the 2021 school year, we were celebrating our 175th years in, uh, in Catholic education, but we still celebrated it in different ways. And so it's a, the school is 175 years old. It, presently, we have a pre-K four-year-old program through grade eight. We have uh, 183 students enrolled at this time. We are a, um, a Catholic, you know, a, a Catholic school, and that's the primary reason that we exist and have always existed. Dolores Butler knows a lot about this school and this neighborhood. Uh, since it's been here 175 years, there are still people in the neighborhood that um, their ancestors, you know, grandparents, great-grandparents have lived in this area and even may have went to school here. And we have a number of families right now um, who, parents who did graduate from here, in fact, I taught some of them. <laughs> and so there's a connection within the community of that. Of course, with the parish church, St. Francis Xavier Church, there's a, a, a tremendous connection between the parishioners you know, here and, and the school because they want, they're proud of the school many, in many cases because they did go here. They support it when they can in their own ways. Other, and in other ways, we have a strong relationship with, for example, the Philadelphia Museum of Art, where we have a partnership where our students are able to visit um, in first to eighth grade uh, twice two times during the school year they go over there for, and they're able the teachers are able to pick certain exhibits 
uh, to look at that they can connect to the curriculum and then there'll be a you know a museum educator who will help with it and um, you know tell them about the exhibits and they bring it back to school and maybe do an extra assignment here or tie it in in our art program so that's a great relationship with them as well as the other um, museums right here along the parkway it is just a wonderful place to be because we're so close to so many things. The library, they go down there for, you know, author visits and um, or over to the Franklin Institute. You know, it's, it's just a great tie to the community in that way, you know, um, which makes it a very special place that we're able to build on that with people and parents appreciate it. With a school that's been in the neighborhood for more than a century, it was not a surprise someone knew about the tunnel, only less than a block away. Some years ago, there was um, someone who worked here in a school with me, and her name was Loretta Rapone, and she's from the neighborhood, and she was, had told me about that, about the tunnel. Well, and we were talking about, I was to think I was saying sometimes how I thought I could hear trains, and she said, well, yeah, because... You know, there are still some that at that point, I don't think so now, but at that point they were still, you know, bringing, I guess, you know, supplies through to get from one place to the other. And she was just telling me about it, where it was, and, that, and she grew up in the area, so she was more familiar with it. So educated me on it a bit. And Butler's mind began to ponder on the hidden rail lines beneath her feet. I did walk down one time years ago to see that. Well, it's just amazing to me, because where I grew up in North Philadelphia, up at the top of the street where I lived, trains went by there um, all the time. And uh, as a child, that fascinated, you know, you'd hear them and you would beg to go look at them. You know, of course it wasn't, you know, and my father would walk us up at times just so we'd stand and see the trains go by. So I found it interesting in real, you know, making that connection that there were so many you know, rail systems throughout the city that you really weren't aware of. You know, they were all over, really. And once, and, and reading up on the, these railway parks and all, I just think it's fascinating. Now that there are initiatives for the rail line, Butler is sure that the finished product could be yet another teaching possibility for students in their school and neighborhood. I think if we were able to make use of it and take students there, it would be just a wonderful opportunity, even, you know, not just to visit it and, and um, see it, but it would be, I think it would be a great thing for teachers then to be able to look into and, and share and teach the students, you know, about it and how, it, you know, its history and what it, it did for the city, you know, back in the early days, you know carrying supplies and, and you know, because I don't really think that um, today students have a, a realization of how important that, that was back then, you know, um, and how it still is, really. I mean, I see at times when I go up, uh, travel on the, uh, the Cali Drive, and I see the up there there's certain parts where there are the train tracks go across and you know they're they're carrying supplies you know they're like those type of it's trains it's not passenger trains and I often think oh I wonder where that where where they're going you know with or what's in those you know uh, 
crates on them or in the, in them, you know, to where they're going and what's supplying. And so I think it would be a, a wonderful educational opportunity to share with the students and teach them about it. It's a part of history, you know, that I don't think you that you, you see that in in social studies books or or uh, you know as much as is maybe it's mentioned. Not saying that, but I think there's a lot more to it that you, we could learn and even give the students maybe not so much in the younger grades, but in the, the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, you know, look into this, you know, a project, look this up, and uh, you know, maybe even find pictures of what it looked like then and how you know. I think it. It would be great, great opportunity, and be able then be able to you know take them to the the park, and it would be safe, right? And that's what you look for. You look for things that are safe, where you could go and feel comfortable, and yet at the same time you know learn something. That was Dolores Butler from Saint Francis Xavier School. As you can hear, this part of the rail line is hidden from most and has what may be the most puzzling future when it comes to seeing the three-mile vision for the rail park come to life. Regardless of how complicated turning the tunnel into an accessible public space might be, everyone Nicole interviewed for this episode can imagine how unique it could also be for Philadelphia, an underground space full of opportunity. Thank you for listening to Sounds of the Rail Park, a podcast and audio tour created by Friends of the Rail Park. You just heard our third installment of the Three Mile Vision series produced by local journalist, Nicole Curry. Friends of the Rail Park is the 501c3 organization that drives the vision behind the transformation of historic rail lines that traverse Philadelphia into a continuous three mile greenway. A greenway that connects and enlivens the social, historical, and environmental fabric of Philadelphia's communities. Special thanks to our partners, Philadelphia Parks and Recreation, the William Penn Foundation, the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the 1830 Family Foundation, Comcast NBC Universal, PICO, the Philadelphia Cultural Fund, the Pennsylvania Department of Community and Economic Development, and the Board of Directors and many friends and members of the Friends of the Rail Park.